It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and it is presented by FantasyPoints.com, where you use the code FEAST to get a discount, and then you proceed directly to your email and forward it to me, Ross, at RossTucker.com, and say, Ross, I want to take down you and Joe. Who is me and Joe? I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Now we got the five podcasts going. Love it, love it, love it. Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, which was terrific yesterday with my dude Will Brinson. You should absolutely check that out if you did not. Getting in on the golf train, golf betting is starting up again. Um, And also the College Draft podcast with Matt Waldman, always good. Business of sports is where Andrew Brandt absolutely dominates. He's Joe Dolan. He's the editor, site editor, chief, whatever you want to call him, and co-owner of FantasyPoints.com with our guy Tom Brawley from last week and John Hansen before that. And today, Graham Barfield, who literally invented a statistic. I wish I had done that. That just sounds awesome, inventing a statistic. We are giving out winners. We love those of you. By the way, I'm just telling you guys right now, there's a lot of opportunity to go against us in these best ball leagues. We're not getting as many entries this month as we did last month. So you guys, all you need to do is go to fantasypoints.com, put the code in FEAST. It's free to sign up and send it to me. Ross at RossTucker.com, and you could be announced as the next winners like Mohinder Dick and Ari Engel. Hopefully I got both those names right. Mohinder Dick, Ari Engel. Add that to Norm Fazekas, Ben Mullins, Nathan Chudani from last week, and we're rolling. We are rolling. We already have five guys in. Uh, five more to go. It shouldn't just be guys. should be ladies as well. We love going against you in these best balls. I'll tell you right now, if you, if you sign up at fantasypoints.com and then do anything else to separate you from the crowd, right, like an Amazon purchase or rate and review the show or social media, you're, you're going to get in. You're going to get in the best ball draft. You just are. Um, by the way, you don't. It doesn't have to be just fantasypoints.com. You could take advantage of any of spon- any of our sponsors, like Method Men. Method Men is a personal care brand that takes a fresh approach to grooming. Look, staying clean, fresh should be fuss-free. So take advantage of some of their products: body washes, two-in-one shampoo, conditioners, deodorants. Listen, uh, here's the reality, okay? I don't care that much. My wife does. My wife cares a whole lot about how I smell. And let's just say, the better I smell, the better it is for me, if you catch my drift. So whether it's juniper and sage, cedar and cypress, sea and surf, you got to go ahead and try Method Men. 
I mentioned last week, my wife loves it. Before, first time I got the bottle, before I even put it on, she's like, Method Men, how'd you get this? Save 15% with code FEAST when you buy online at methodmen.com. That's M-E-T-H-O-D-M-E-N.com. Visit methodmen.com and get fresh. Make sure you use the code FEAST, just like Fantasy Points. FEAST is the code. Well, for the second week in a row, maybe third week in a row, I think I lost track at this point. We have an absolute rock star from FantasyPoints.com. This time, it's Graham Barfield, who is known for the yards created metric that he has founded. And I want to get into that because I thought it was interesting. Joe was telling me before the show how you grind to get that. He is one of the dudes at fantasypoints.com. I don't know that we've ever met Graham, uh, but just looking at your Twitter profile, I really don't like you very much because you have awesome hair. Like you have amazing hair, dude. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ross. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, I think this is our main voyage too. It's, it's nice to, Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, Yards Created has been, uh, it's definitely a grind. That's certainly one way to put it. Um, yeah, it's been this this project that I've undertaken now in the last five off seasons where I basically chart any college running back coming into the, the NFL and uh, try to find out some some fun things about how they, uh, how they win as players and uh, excited to talk to you guys about it today. Okay, so let me dive a little bit deeper into that Um, because I've heard of this before, but I I want to have people understand what you actually do. Like, what does yards created mean, and how do you go about identifying it for each player? Sure. So yards created is the amount of yards the running back gets on his own after the offensive line has or has not done its job. So... Uh, the way to think of it is, you know, on every play, the offensive line is is opening up or not opening up uh, holes and gaps for the running back to get through. And after the running back gets through the initial hole or creates behind the line of scrimmage to uh, to get past the initial wave of the defense, those are the yards that the running back is creating on his own. And in the NFL, uh, when every player is uh, super athletic, super fast. You know, the, the, the margin for error and the holes get a lot smaller. But in college football, uh, there's something to be said for players that are, you know, constantly creating on their own, constantly, um, you know, making yards, making moves on their own and, and forcing missed tackles. So I'm literally charting every, every single play, every single snap for six, seven games, pretty much half the season for usually about 10 to 12 running backs at the top of the class. And um, it's, uh, it's been a fun process that's yielded some, some good results so far. So Graham, so oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry Joe. Yeah. I was just uh, going to say how, how subjective is it? In other words, like what's, what's sort of the margin of error? And if Joe was like, you know what, I'm going to do a new stat called, uh, yards created 2.0 and I'm just going to do the exact same thing Graham does, but I'm going to watch, I'm just curious how much of a difference you think that there would be? Probably a little bit. Um, you know, it, football and, and sports in general is an inherently subjective game. I mean, um, 
if you just think about all the descriptive stats that we all talk about, yards, receptions, touchdowns, everybody agrees on those. Um, but even a stat like yards after contact has drawn a lot of uh, debate throughout the years, you know, simply because it's a subjective stat and we're all, you know, using our eyes to, to measure it. Um, I'm sure if Joe or anybody else that did yards created a, uh, we'll probably would get some different results. The guys over at a uh, player profile, player profiler, they chart yards created too, but they, I think they do it a little bit different way. They, they treat it as like any time a running back. Um, it's basically the yards. Any, any time a running back creates after they force a missed tackle. So uh, there's different, different iterations of yards created even out there. And uh, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's uh, a, a good, a good like kind of learning tool for to, to think of running back in a different way. So Graham, I was so I'm sorry, Ross. I jumped all over you because I was so excited to ask this question. And Graham, I think what one thing that's really important for people to understand is, or or for people to to know, you do this for college running backs coming into the NFL. Like you said, there there are differences. But my question is, have you studied how predictive yards created has been for transitioning a college player to the NFL, which obviously would have massive fantasy impact? Or, or have you decided it's been more descriptive and and it, it, it hasn't really paid off for fantasy? I think I know what the answer is, but I, I want to make sure people understand um, what your process is here and how useful it is for fantasy football. Sure. I, I think, you know, I went into this five years ago fully expecting it to be more of a descriptive thing, like just basically scouting, essentially, you know, uh, which players are creating more yards above uh, expectation, which players are uh, forcing more missed tackles above expectation. And I think, you know, now that we have a five-year sample, I think we can say it's it's fairly predictive. Um, if you go to fantasypoints.com right now, click the research tab, hit the yards created button. We have all of the, uh, all of the yards created uh, numbers up on the site right now. And if you sort by yards created per attempt, if you, you know, look near the top, uh, of of the the coffers here, I mean, it's it's a who's who of the most talented backs uh, that have come out the last couple of years. Joe Mixon, uh, Kenyon Drake, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, all are in the top five of yards created per attempt. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey are all near the top. Same with Dalvin Cook. Um, I think it's done a pretty good job at not only identifying some of the top end rushers as you know the clear cut best players in their class, like Saquon and like Zeke. But it's also illuminated some lower end guys, you know, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey, um, and to a lesser extent, you know, going deeper, uh, guys like Sony Michelle um, before he got hurt were, were good, you know, players that really popped in yards created. And, um, you know, there's definitely been some misses, um, and we, we can get into that too. But uh, by and large, I think it's done a pretty decent job of illuminating, you know, uh, the most uh, talented runners and, and the, the runners that are forcing the most missed tackles. So let's get into it for this year for the rookies. It, who's the who's the king? Who's the guy from this year's group that stood out to you in terms of yards created? Yeah, the the number one guy in the class was probably no one that you would expect, Ross. It was actually Anthony McFarland. Um, he, he led the class in yards created per attempt at 5.89. Uh, that's actually right behind what Zeke did. Um, we, we can talk about McFarland a little bit, but we'll, we'll kind of transition and flip back to the top five of this class. And uh, I'll start with, with Jonathan Taylor, uh, for, for, uh, running back for the Colts now. 
he was fantastic at Wisconsin. Uh, I know that's not necessarily a bold take at all, but uh, doing my study, I, I kind of went into it with, um, I guess, a, an idea that the Wisconsin offensive line, the Badgers, uh, kind of, you know, opened up more yards than you would expect. And, you know, Taylor was a little bit of a product, product of his offensive line and scheme there, but that kind of wasn't the case. Uh, Wisconsin actually opened up way fewer yards blocked per attempt than than pretty much every back in this class, like A.J. Dillon, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Lair, all had better offensive lines than Taylor. Uh, and Taylor was dominant in yards created. Uh, he's fantastic. Um, I think he he's an underrated uh, guy in terms of um, – he's not necessarily like a make-you-miss type runner uh, like Clyde Edwards-Lair, you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey was coming out, but uh, certainly is, is strong and missed tackles forced. And – uh, his yards created metrics were fantastic. I mean, uh, he was actually more efficient without a fullback on the field, even though Wisconsin had a fullback on the field on like a third of his carries. And in this class, Taylor ranked third in yards created per attempt out of shotgun, and he was first when Wisconsin had a quarterback under center. So I, I thought Jonathan Taylor was the clear RB1 coming into this class. Uh, excuse me, coming into the draft, I, I expected him to be uh, – one of the first two running backs off the board obviously didn't play out that way, but uh, still went super early, still went to a great landing spot. And he is my number two running back in this class for, for rookie dynasty drafts. Well, let's get to the guy who I think is number one, Graham, and that's got to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And now he did play behind a really good offensive line. I think uh, the LSU offensive line might be near the top 10 uh, in terms of what you've ever charted. But um, even though his yards created metric is is mediocre compared to some of the other guys, I think uh, according to your charting, he did a lot of things really well that project exceptionally well to the Kansas City offense. So, how do you feel about him from a fantasy perspective? Absolutely. Um, you know, not only am I charting every running play, I'm also charting every passing play. And, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is pretty easily the the best receiving back in this class. And uh, I'll take it a step further and say he's one of the top three or four um, receivers that I've seen come out of college in uh, the five years that I've been doing this. I think he's uh, he's not in the Christian McCaffrey echelon because no one else is. Um, McCaffrey's in a tier of his own and, as a receiver. But, man, Edwards-Alaire is really good. Um, uh, you know, I think he's an under we'll, we'll quickly talk about his running ability because I think he's an underrated inside runner. Um, uh, in fact, he created more yards per attempt on his inside carries than DeAndre Swift, A.J. Dillon and Zach Moss, who and all of those guys are kind of um, expected to be you know strong inside runners. So I think Edwards Allaire has an has underrated un, uh, inside running ability, even though he's he's undersized. But uh, man, like what we want to see from him is, is catching passes out of the backfield. And uh, I, I, frankly, I struggle to think of many backs outside of McCaffrey who are better route runners than Edwards Alaire. I mean, he was constantly creating separation for Joe Burrow, making throws easy, getting open at will against some of the best linebackers and safeties in the SEC. I, I absolutely uh, loved Edwards Alaire Edwards Alaire's uh, receiving ability and, and thought he had just a super, super high floor coming into the drafts simply because I knew he'd be heavily involved in the passing game. But now, Joe, uh, we, we have this just like dream scenario where he gets drafted as the first running back drafted in, a, in the first round, last pick, uh, goes to Andy Reid, goes to the Chiefs, gets to play with QB God himself and, and Patrick Mahomes. And 
uh, it's it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much exactly what you would want for fantasy. I mean, uh, pretty much every back that we've seen in Kansas City play significant snaps uh, has been a top eight running back. I mean, Jamal Charles was uh, top eight in PPR points per game back from back in 2013 through 2015. Spencer Ware had a nice little season in 2016 when when Charles got hurt and kind of ended, you know was uh, nearing the end of his career. And um, Kareem Hunt was a top eight running back 2017 2018 and We've all seen what Damian Williams has been able to produce when healthy, so I'm I'm very excited to see uh, how Edwards Alaire performs early into this year, and I think um, you know as the season progresses into 2020, I think we'll see Edwards Alaire uh, become a very very strong RB one simply because he'll be uh, just an, another mismatch nightmare for the Chiefs to use underneath as a pass catcher. So here's a question, Graham, that I'm not understanding. So I'm, I'm looking at your article, fantasypoints.com. I talk about it all the time. Use the code FEAST when you sign up. You got the tier one. You call them the big five. We've talked about Jonathan Taylor. You mentioned Swift and Dobbins, but really haven't dove into them yet. We got the Edwards Hilaire. You said earlier that the number one guy in your metric was Anthony McFarland at 5.9 yards created per attempt, first in the class, yet he's RB7 for you. So I guess if I'm reading this article, I'm saying, what am I missing? Like, you said it's predictive. The guy's number one. Why is he RB7 if he's number one on yards created? Yeah, those are, I mean, those are my ranks. So I kind of... You know, I, I try to add in additional layers of context. Like, yes, Anthony McFarlane was very explosive on his touches and um, was a good runner in, in terms of uh, not only yards created, but he was, I think, fourth or fifth in the class and missed tackles forced. But um, Rossi was never a featured runner um, at, at Maryland. And, I, and coming in and watching his tape, I, I had the same questions. I, I didn't know if he would be. Uh, you know, a guy that you kind of center your offensive round and, and, and shovel 15, 18 touches per game. I thought he might be a, a little bit of a change of pace back. So there's definitely a little bit of um, not only like uh, usage, uh, usage kind of going into evaluations, but it's also like subjectivity too, like how players profile. And, um, you know, I think having Anthony McFarlane at RB7 pre-draft was kind of a bold take. I didn't really see McFarlane anywhere near people's top tens. And, uh, I, you know, I, I still have McFarland at RB seven. Now he's landed in a nice spot there in Pittsburgh too. Graham, let's, uh, let's talk about, um, some of your process in terms of offensive lines vis-a-vis yards created. So when you've done this, and I'm, I'm sure this is something you've thought about quite a bit when you've done this process, have you found that guys who play behind bad offensive lines are getting, more rewarded by your process and have you found that guys who play behind good offensive lines are getting more kind of dinged by your process and and my my um my question would be here with florida state because you know you and i both know both dalvin cook and cam Akers have had two of the worst offensive lines we've seen for a major college program in the last number of years meanwhile somebody like derrick henry played behind an awesome offensive line and didn't rank so high on your metric. How do you deal with that when you're when you're breaking down yards created? And have you found there's anything predictive uh, in, in terms of uh, a guy playing behind a bat or a good offensive line when it comes to the metric? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, obviously, it's just kind of unlucky that Cam Akers and Dalvin Cook had to play behind just terrible offensive lines, right? I mean, if you, again, if you go and pull up the research tab on fantasypoints.com, I mean, Cam Akers and Dalvin Cook are literally uh, last and third from last in yards blocked per attempt. Um, so we, we know they struggle behind uh, bad offensive lines. And I think this, you know, yards created process kind of illuminates that. It really gives good context to just how bad and it kind of like gives a baseline to college football offensive line play. Um, one guy um, in particular that I think is a really interesting uh, debate on this subject, Joe, is not a player from this class. It's last year's class. It's Darrell Henderson. Uh, he was absolutely dominant behind uh, a Memphis offensive line, a Memphis scheme that that really opened up just massive running lanes for him. But he was still very explosive on his touches. I think um, this is this is a you know kind of an idea and a I guess a subject matter I really haven't fully wrapped my head around yet. Just you know balancing uh, great offensive lines behind creative runners because um, you know Josh Jacobs and J.K. Dobbins both had. Uh, fantastic offensive lines. Both are like in the top eight of my yards blocked metrics. But I mean, both backs are highly creative and, and you know ranked really highly in terms of you know forcing missed tackles on their own. And uh, both were good receivers. So I think it's one of those things with with offensive line play. You've got to take uh, on a team by team basis and and really understand the team level context that went in behind that because um, sometimes there's certainly teams where um, players you know, have great offensive lines and they still create yards above expected. Um, and then there's times, you know, where you have a, an A.J. Dillon or a Damian Harris type where they're behind a great offensive line, but they're less creative than you would expect. Yeah, I guess that's that's what I wanted to know. Um, I'd love to know any outliers. And I guess I'm, I'm in particularly interested in Keyshawn Vaughn just going to the Bucks with Brady and what you thought of him? I think everybody's interested in, in Vaughn and what's going what's gonna to happen with this Bucks backfield. Uh, I liked, you know, what, Keyshawn Vaughn was, was one of those guys where, like, I watched the first four or five games and I was kind of just like, yeah, I mean, he can do everything pretty well, um, but he doesn't have really one standout trait. And the more that I watched, uh, I actually went back and watched a few more games after I finished <laughs> his yards created sample just because their landing spot and he got drafted a little bit earlier than I expected. Uh, I kind of started liking him a little bit more. Um, and it's simply because he played kind of like Cam Akers. He played behind a really bad offensive line uh, over, there, uh, over there at Vanderbilt. Um, last year, 22% of his carries were stuffed behind the line of scrimmage uh, for a loss that was like – way low in college football. It's like 110th in the, uh, in the, in the in college football. And, uh, he was contacted behind the line of scrimmage on, uh, 27% of his carries. Uh, Cam Akers, uh, was the most in the class. Uh, he was contacted behind the line of scrimmage on nearly a third of his carries, but Keyshawn Vaughn was still very creative. Um, granted it was kind of in a boom bust way, sort of similar to Tevin Coleman. Uh, but he was second in this class in yards created per attempt. And, the, the, the thing I come back to with Vaughn, though, Ross, and, and one of the things that I think Ronald Jones has a little bit of an edge over him uh, is, is Rojo is definitely more uh, laterally elusive. Eighty-four uh, percent of Keyshawn Vaughn's missed tackles came from either just running past a defender or going through them with power. He just doesn't have a ton of wiggle um, and ton of agility. I think Ronald Jones is certainly better in that sense, but... 
Uh, man, I mean, Vaughn is... He's got the size, he's got the speed, uh, and an attacking running style to be a feature back uh, in the NFL. And I think, um, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, heavily investing in in Vaughn kind of shows you uh, where he wants to go with his running game. Graham, one of the more surprising picks of the NFL draft was uh, the Green Bay Packers. Well, other than them drafting a quarterback in the first round, it was then going back in the second round in the deepest wide receiver draft that we've seen in years and taking a power running back when you can make the argument that the running back position with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams was the strongest on the entire team last year, uh, the strongest position on the Packers roster, I mean. And then they come in and they take A.J. Dillon in the second round out of Boston College. And I know he's a player that you personally struggled with when you were watching him. Matter of fact, um, you would think that Matt LaFleur – would probably views him as a Derrick Henry type of runner. And looking at their yards created metrics, Graham, uh, shockingly similar uh, between A.J. Dillon in 2020 and Derrick Henry in 2016. Number one, can you make sense of the Packers' A.J. Dillon pick? And did you learn any lessons from charting Derrick Henry when it came to watching A.J. Dillon and trying to rationalize what the Packers did with that pick? Yeah, Joe, all of the Packers picks uh, in this draft were surprising, um, very surprising. Uh, yeah, I, A.J. Dillon definitely got some buzz uh, and quite a few Derrick Henry comparisons in the pre-draft process simply because he ran 4-5 at like 250 pounds. I mean, he's got just freakish size, speed, ability. But, I mean, you mentioned his yards created profile uh, was not very good. Um, it's not good to be a, a back that – doesn't create many yards on his own and is reliant on his offensive line. And that's sort of what Dylan is. I mean, he was number one in this class. Boston College was number one in this class in yards blocked per attempt. Um, and Dylan was near the bottom, second from last in yards created per attempt. He was also last in missed tackles forced per attempt. Um, you know, I really struggled with Dylan because to me, he seemed he just seems like a guy who is always going to get the yards that's blocked for him, but not much else. Um, I did not see anything remotely close to what we saw from Derrick Henry on tape at Alabama. Um, I thought I thought Henry had better burst. I thought Henry had just enough wiggle to get past guys, and we've seen that in the NFL. Um, I don't know if Dylan has that. Um, certainly very fast in a straight line. Certainly a powerful runner can grind out hard yards in between the tackles. But, yeah, I, I did not expect to see Dylan go off the board in the second round of the NFL draft and um, definitely a little bit of a perplexing pick because Aaron Jones, every time we've seen him, uh, he's been uh, ripping off strong plays and, and it's been one of the best and most talented runners um, in the NFL since he's entered the league. So I'm not really sure what Dylan's role is going to be. Um, it's, it's certainly going to be interesting. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how many carries he does end up actually taking away from Aaron Jones. All right, last one for you, Graham. And again, encourage everybody to check out Graham on Twitter, at Graham Barfield. He is part of the Fantasy Points crew, and there's a lot of them, and we love them. Um, You have Eno Benjamin as RB10. You have him at the top of Tier 3, right after the aforementioned Keyshawn Vaughn, ahead of guys like Antonio Gibson, A.J. Dillon, Josh Kelly, etc. Yet, Eno Benjamin was dead last in the class at less than 3.5 
yards created per attempt. How do you? How does that happen? How does that happen that a guy is so bad at your metric yet you have him ranked higher than these other guys? Yeah, I mean, I had um, I've had so in that article that was before the draft. I had him at RB ten. I've got him way lower now, um, and I had him in that tier with Antonio Gibson and AJ Dillon. I thought they were kind of all on the same boat in terms of draft capital. Obviously, didn't play out that way. Benjamin went uh, in the seventh round. Uh, I liked Eno, Eno Benjamin as a pass catcher, though, and I thought he might go a little bit earlier in the draft simply because he was a great pass catcher. Um, super inconsistent as a runner, very undersized. Uh, but I thought he would go a little bit earlier. In today's modern NFL, a lot of teams are looking for uh, these satellite backs who can catch ba- uh, passes out of the backfield and and compete. And, and Benjamin is, look, I mean, he's not a highly creative runner. Um, the met- my metrics kind of showed that, but... Um, he certainly is a highly competitive runner. Um, uh, he always was trying to churn out extra yards on his own, uh, always was trying to uh, fight for a few extra a few extra yards, and he was a great pass catcher. I mean, he was third in, the, uh, third in this class in targets uh, per game, uh, number one in routes run per game, and he was running more routes and more nuanced routes sometimes than Clyde Edwards-Alaire even. Um, definitely went super late, and that kind of buries him for fantasy and hour purposes, but... Uh, for that article, I did have him at RB10 simply because I, you know, I thought he'd go a little bit earlier, and I liked his pass catching ability uh, above AJ Dillon's, and, um, and I love Antonio Gibson's tape, uh, but we've just seen such a salt, small sample from him uh, at Memphis that uh, it, it definitely left me a little bit, uh, just not only wanting wanting more, wanting to see more, but also I think it, it kind of. Uh, opens up a little bit more um, variance in his, you know, range of outcomes uh, as it pertains to the NFL and uh, how successful he'll be. Graham, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Ross, thanks for having me, Joe. Appreciate you, man. Think about the time that he puts into that, Joe. Graham is money. You know what else is money? Actual money. Like a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. When you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS when you sign up. Yeah, I know. It's a fantasy show. A lot of you guys already know about DraftKings. You know about DFS. Did you know they're also kicking some serious you-know-what when it comes to sportsbook? They've got America's top-rated sportsbook app. Legal, legitimate, right here in the U.S., and for a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Do not forget, enter code ROSS and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Speaking of with it, get with it. That is Greg Cosell. You got to check him out on tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast. He also... Works for fantasy points. I mean, who doesn't work for fantasy points at this point? Wow. They got a lot of dudes over there. They got a pretty star-studded 
class. You guys already know, those of you listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, how much we love GC, the original Greg Cosell, tomorrow on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Thanks again to Graham and Joe. You can also listen to yesterday's RTFP if you'd like as well. Hopefully, you're already following us on social. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. All of the shows can be found at Ross Tucker Pod. Other than that, totally stuffed. That was a feast. I'm done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.